Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Nothing much, just drinking my uh, 10th cafecito of the morning after all these 10 p.m. games. It's it's definitely, I'm not, I'm not used to this. Usually, you know, when the Heat are on the West Coast, I'm there with them, so I'm on, on Pacific time as well. But covering a West Coast trip from Miami is certainly challenging, that's for sure. Yeah, it was kind of like the finals were like that. When the, they, they were at 10 o'clock starts, they were all 9 p.m. starts, the, the final things. But you had the finals adrenaline going, so right. it was a little bit different. And those games just took longer, naturally, because right. the finals and all the TV stuff and just the introductions. So it's similar, but, um, yeah, you don't have back-to-back games in the finals, which the Heat have uh, Tuesday and Wednesday this week where you're working till 3.34 in the morning uh, on back-to-back nights. But, you know, we'll get through it. Yeah, uh, we're recording this Wednesday, just uh, Wednesday afternoon, just for context in case anything crazy happens tonight. Uh, we don't get to it. That's why. Um, we kind of got a lot to get to, though. Um, first time we're recording since the Victor Oladipo injury. Obviously, you know, I, I think kind of telling couple first couple of games on this West Coast trip without Oladipo, uh, kind of giving us a sense of what this team has looked like. But first of all, Anthony, did you fare okay without me last week? I tried. I was very happy that you were able to record the introduction because I just I I was practicing in the mayor for like three days. Your your trademark intro and I just couldn't get it down, so I finally just said I'm going to call David and ask him to do it, which you were nice enough to do uh, from the Marlins game. So thank you very much. Yeah, I was I was happy to help and uh, glad to get Barry on the on the show for the first time in a while. I think since the the shutdown, right? We had him on yeah. in the shutdown. So and yeah. you guys had a lot to get to with the uh, obviously old Depot coming to town and Dwayne Deadman acquisition, which. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit about that, but I'm not, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super interested in Dwayne Dedman these days. Um, we, let's start with the old depot injury. It's obviously a couple of days old, um, but it's a, like I said, the first time we're recording since it happened, and now we've had a couple of games of like a sample size to see how this Heat team is going to fare without him. Um, and I guess we should start by saying we, it's it's a really like kind of murky situation. We really the Heat have not ruled him out for the year, which is obviously a good sign. But there's also really no clarity about what the injury is, um, whether it's the kind of thing where maybe he will be out for the year, maybe he's still getting stuff, um, getting second opinions and, and looked at, or whether it's the kind of thing that is just like, you know, shut him down for the regular season and go all in on getting him back for the playoffs, or if it is a total unknown day-to-day, week-to-week kind of thing. Um, but for now, the Heat, Obviously, did not have him the first two games out on the West Coast. They won't have him tonight against the Nuggets. They won't have him on, um, what, is it Friday? Is that where the trip finishes? We think, we think they won't have him Friday, but they oh, haven't they, ruled him out. Yeah. They have not ruled him out for that. Okay. He's not out on, with the team, though, on the West Coast. So Correct. Um, first of all, let's let's start just what when you see that injury happen, really, a really weird injury. Um you know, you don't. I feel like a lot of times you see it maybe on the landing, but this was really he he took off, and it seems like that is what tweaked the knee. Um, what just what was your kind of initial reaction? I, I'm sure there was just some like, oh no, like here here we go again with him, who's he's obviously only played in 50 or so games over the last couple of years. Um, just what what was kind of your initial reaction when you saw what happened, and 
I think everyone probably thought the worst at first, just because it, it was natural with um, everything he's kind of gone through over the last two plus years. Yeah, I mean, my first my first thought was, what knee was it? Um, right. And then when he started grabbing his right knee, I said, oh no, because that's the one. Yeah. He obviously had the serious injury with that that forced him out for a year, and he's just trying to he's been trying to recover from and get back to you know 100. percent um, so when it was the right knee, it was especially concerning. I mean, this is the fact, and just the fact that it was really a non-contact right. injury. Those are always, you know, very worrisome and usually the worst type of injuries. Um, so, you know, that, that was my first thought. And then also, he that was his best game in a heat uniform. Like, he yeah. looked really good. Like, he had a dunk over Andre Drummond um, earlier in the game, and then he, he got hurt, actually, on another dunk. Um, he was making his threes. Um, he's been really good, you know, in the Heat's defensive scheme since he's arrived, pretty much. But offensively, he looked really good in that game. He looked comfortable. He looked like he was settling into the into his role in this offense. Um, so it was just unfortunate, um, unfortunate timing, uh, unfortunate that Victor's, you know, still having to deal, you know, with the with pain and soreness in the right knee. And it's like you said, it's you know, I know fans want clarity. I know fans want something definitive at this point, but. You know, it's it's day to day. It really is. Like, you know, he's he's getting second opinions. They're trying to figure out how to move forward. It's a complicated situation. Um, because, you know, not only does Victor have an injury history, you know, with the right knee, that's been well documented, but he's gonna be a free agent this offseason. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, you you know, one can make the argument that if he doesn't play again and because of the right knee issue this year, that that could hurt his free agency just because teams will be worried about, you know, the the, the right knee and, and what, you know, if he'll ever recover from that. Uh, but you could also make the argument if he does play and he does get hurt and suffers a significant injury to the knee, then that obviously would also <laughs> derail his free agency hopes. Um, so it's a, it's a tough situation that they're still trying to figure out. And also I think it's important to remember that, you know, he got hurt January 2019. He returned a year later, January 2020. Mm-hmm. Two months later, it was the league shutdown. Yeah. Um and this you know the, the league was shut down for 4 months but he really didn't have like access to facilities and all that so he was I think he said he was working out in his garage. Um you know plays in the playoffs in the, in the first round gets swept by the Heat has a very short off season is immediately you know traded to the you know, traded to the Rockets early in the season. Like he really hasn't had that full off season yet to really recover from the knee injury. So I I think that's important to to kind of remember when we're discussing, you know, will Victor ever get back? Like, how how come he's not hun- healthy yet? It's been two over two years since the injury. Like, he hasn't had the full offseason yet just because of circumstances. So these are all things that, you know, I think all parties are weighing because, you know, there's a, there's a lot to consider, I think, with, with this situation and, you know, how it's going to – how they're going to handle it, you know, the rest of the year. Yeah, so like I said, the positive clearly, I think, at this point is that he's not ruled out for the season because, you know, if it was, like, obvious he tore his ACL, we would know that by now. Um, you know, maybe maybe a second opinion and or another MRI will show some sort of more serious tear that that just at some at some point in the next little while here they'll rule him out for the year. But it's it's certainly a good sign that he's not ruled out for the year because that means like the worst case scenario didn't happen. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's the the fact that he has not had that full off season. He's you know clearly like still knows he's not where. You know, he he's you know he's dealt with knee soreness, right? Like that's that's well, like well documented. Like he's not 
he's not a hundred percent. That's he hasn't well, he hasn't played back to backs all year. Like you know that that's some of it's precaution, but some of it is just like he is still like you said working his way back. Um, and if if he's not able to play again this year, it's really hard to imagine him getting any sort of substantial contract in the off season. But maybe he comes back next year on a small deal um, in Miami or somewhere else on a one-year deal. Um, and it's basically, you know, we, we talked about when, when Miami got him, that it was kind of a prove-it situation, right? Like Miami got a real chance to get an up-close look at him this year. Um, you know, if he's unable to play again this year and he has to sign a small one-year deal, it'll be a prove-it situation for, for the whole league um, and kind of like a bet-on-himself type of thing. But as you said that is better than the alternative, which is blowing out the knee again, not playing at all next year probably, maybe signing a minimum deal somewhere to to come back at the end of the year, um, and then going into the next offseason in basically the place he is potentially going to be going into into this offseason if he doesn't play again. Of course, then the third – the third gate here, or the third door here, is he comes back, um, plays in the playoffs, looks awesome, and is able to get, you know, not a big max contract like he probably would have before all this injury, you know, before, when you go back to 2019 before the injury, but is able to, like, kind of get a real long-term NBA contract that the team views him as a, a centerpiece in, I think, the way the Heat, obviously, were, were kind of hoping he would be for them this year. Um, but at this point, like you said, it, it's a murky situation. The heat, it, it's impossible for them right now to, you know, I think they got to be optimistic that, that he's going to come back and, and be a big part of their playoff run. But it, I, I don't know if that should be the expectation right now. Um, and I, I don't know, if, you know, they're, they're clearly operating considering he's in a, like an out indefinitely. That means they're operating under the assumption, like, for at least for the time being, that, that he's not going to be with them. Like you said, it could change by Friday, and he could be with the team in Minnesota. But um, for now, th- this team is obviously needs to figure out ways to, to win without him. Yeah, and, and I think also, you know, the Heat knew um, the Heat knew they were taking a risk by trading for him. Right. And, and that's why the market, you know, wasn't... Yeah, that's why they all they had to give up was Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, it gave up Khalil Linick and Avery Bradley, who barely played here because yeah. of injuries. Um, that, that's why that was the case. So, you know, the, it's not like the Heat are surprised by this. Like, you know, it was always a risk in doing this, but they obviously thought it was worth it. And we saw, like, I, I think the up, you know, while Victor may not be the player yet that he was a few years ago, he definitely makes this team better, especially on the defensive end. And just the upside for this team when he's on the court is significantly higher, I would say, than when he's not playing. Um, just because he he has that ability to play downhill, get to the basket, slash. He's also a smart offensive player, can draw fouls, and just defensively, he's an all defense caliber player. I still think he's an all defense, you know, all NBA defense caliber player. Uh, and he showed that, like he could switch. You know, him, Trevor, Bam, and, and Jimmy out there in a starting lineup, you know, creates havoc for opposing offenses. So, you know, I I really it's a bummer because not only for Victor. You know, because you, you don't want to see him ha- having to keep battle through right knee issues, and we don't know if he'll be back this year, and maybe he will be back soon. But you want to see this team with Victor on the court. I think I was intrigued to see what his, what this team could be um, with Victor Oladipo in the mix. So right now that's on pause, but I guess you just have to hope that at some point you know he'll return you know in the near future before the playoffs. 
Yeah, as you mentioned, that injury came at the end of his best game with the Heat so far in, in the last, like, five minutes of the, you know, I, I know the Lakers are really shorthanded, but, you know, a pretty solid home win for the Heat that I think kind of showed the potential they were going to have with Oladipo if, uh, you know, if he was able to stay healthy and, and help them all the way to the end here. Um, and we talked about this right after the trade happened that, the defensive identity, like it was a clear, the Heat have made a clear commitment to just being really good on defense. I mean, it makes sense. You know, they have two, Jimmy and Bam are, are all-star level offensive players, obviously, um, mostly I would say because of their kind of playmaking ability and, and in Jimmy's case, his ability to draw fouls. And, you know, he, he obviously has proven he can be a really good isolation scorer too. But for the most part, this team was good because those two are great facilitators, but if you ask kind of what their greatest strength is for each of them, you, you probably would have pointed to defense, certainly with Bam, probably with Jimmy too. Um, and, you know, they Jimmy Butler joined a team last year that was such an offensively-minded team with, you know, Duncan Robinson shooting the lights out, Tyler Hero impressing everyone, Kendrick Nunn, uh, you know, uh, in the Rookie of the Year conversation, Kelly Olenek, Myers Leonard. You know, those guys were all offensive first players and in some cases like major liabilities on defense. And the Heat, every move they've made, as as we've said, has been, since acquiring Jimmy Butler, basically every move they've made has been geared around getting better on defense, um, whether it was trading for Andre Iguodala or Trevor Ariza, um, Jay Crowder last year. And Victor Oladipo, as you mentioned, he, he helps them on offense, but he really transformed what this team looked like on defense. And I think it was like fair to kind of view the Heat as a potential top five defensive team once you get to the playoffs. And if, you know, if, if your offense hovers around the middle of the pack or worse, where this team has been all year, then you can still win a lot of playoff games when you have a defense like that. Um, I, I think the concern is right now, does this team have either if Victor Oladipo is out there? They're, they're, they're obviously still a good defensive team, but there's a huge difference between being like the best defensive team in the East, like they looked like they were maybe going to be there for a little bit, and being, you know, just a good top 10 type defense um, that is you know, maybe not even the best defense in the East, and, and you certainly don't have the best offense in the East. Yeah, and I think they're still a good defensive team yeah. without Victor, like you said. Um, yeah, all those yeah, things still happened, and he was just like kind of the last missing piece. Yeah, he, he, he gives you – he takes you to another level. I think. And he was a two-way guy. You know, a lot of these guys – Iguodala yeah. is not a – you know, he's a liability on offense. Um, Trevor Ariza, I, I still kind of trust that his shot's going to start falling, but for the most part, he's not like a major plus offensive player. Oladipo was – a plus offensive player and a like plus plus defensive player. Yeah, no, exactly. He's he's one of those two way guys like Bam and Jimmy that yeah are give, can be a plus on both ends of the court. You know, on most nights. Um, you know, and and Kendrick Kendrick who's starting in place of Victor and who really has started most of the season before mm-hmm. Victor got here gives you some of what Victor could do offensively. Like Kendrick is a solid offensive player. He's going to score double digits most nights. He's going to be pretty efficient. Um, you know, and defensively he's solid, but it's just the upside of Victor and the top end of Victor is just higher, you know, and just defensively Victor is a better defender at this point. So I, I think while Kendrick is, is, it's nice to have Kendrick on the roster, a guy who did not play, I think in six straight games while Victor was, you know, after, after adding Victor and after Victor entered the rotation, um, you could just throw him in there and he, he produces in the starting lineup. Um, but there is a little bit of a drop off, I think defensively. Just between the two. 
Yeah, certainly. Um, so that to me is like the question right now is like, I, I think they had it. I think the Heat had like an identity crisis at the start of the year, and I think Victor Oladipo helped them solve that. Um, and now with him hurt, in some ways, I kind of feel like that identity crisis is back. And we're going to talk about it later. The fact that this, I think both of us and most Heat fans have kind of been like, this offense is going to come around eventually, and um, it still is not, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is a major problem. Um, so Any other time, I, David, one month yeah, ago. <laughs> yeah, they've got to be great on defense, and obviously not having Oladipo out there limits what they can do defensively a lot. Yeah, for sure. And, and you see it. Like, they are trying to um, make up for their offensive struggles by being ultra-aggressive on defense. Right. Um, you saw it on yeah, the amount of sports. steals is, like, kind of crazy over the last Yeah, I mean, and it's not by luck. I mean, you see, it's the scheme. Like, they're trapping pretty much every elite guard um, and forcing the ball out of their hands, or even just trapping any guard just to speed up offenses. They're doubling the ball in the post pretty much all the time. Um, they're really aggressive in the passing lane just because they're playing. Nobody's really one on one on an island because the way they play defense, you know, everyone's kind of on a string and every, you know, yeah. they, there's help defense everywhere. So guys can be uh, pretty aggressive on the ball. Um, and it's resulted in, you know, them, I think they're averaging, like, they're forcing opponents into the second most turnovers per 100 possessions, uh, this season behind only the Raptors. So that's been a big part of their identity, and that's how they get a lot of their offense, honestly, yeah. like a lot of their efficient offense, um, because, you know, it's been a struggle for them in most games offensively. So they need those relief points um, to make up for that. And and that's been a pretty drastic change, I think, from last season um, when it comes to, you know, the style of play uh, that they're using. Yeah, and you mentioned the fact they're trapping every league every elite guard they face. And that, to me, is it's was kind of the glaring issue at the start of the year. It was even the glaring issue, I think, when we talked last year in the playoffs, was that they just didn't have that guard stopper. Um, and you, you when you look at every team they're playing these days, um, you're like, and you're trying to be like, all right, this guy's going to guard this guy, this guy's going to guard this guy. The, 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 the hardest thing to find every time is, like, who's going to guard Chris Paul? Who's going to guard, right. um, I'm trying to think, of, like, Kyrie Irving? Who's going to guard, you know, and, like, Jimmy can do some of that, especially with those, like, you know, the guys who are kind of more, like, wings, shooting guards. But, like, Victor Oladipo is going to help you a lot in that regard as a guy who really could take that toughest guard assignment in every game. And, and I, the, you know, the Nets, to me, just remain the measuring stick in the East. You know, with Victor Oladipo, he probably weren't going to beat them anyway. They were going to be an underdog in that series. But you need three stoppers to beat them, and that's what the Heat kind of put together. Um, with Bam, Jimmy, and Oladipo, and, and right now they just they just don't have that. And I don't know. I mean, there, there's obviously if he comes back, it changes everything. And maybe we'll feel foolish having this long conversation about what you know. How can the Heat survive without him uh, if he comes back Friday or next week and is good to go 100% or as close to 100% as he can be uh, by the playoffs? But right now, like it's hard not to just think that. Uh, the playoff outlook is not going to be great for this team when you stack them up against uh, the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, and you know that's that's not even talking about the fact that there you know there's there's no guarantee they stay out of the the playing game at this point. Um, no, definitely not. The the middle of the East playoff, like the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, is is uh pretty bunched up and. 
Um, the margin for error, we, we keep saying, like, you know, I, there's, what, 15, 16 games left in this season, um, which which feels like a lot, but, you know, 16 games become 10 games really quickly, and then it becomes five games, and then you're down to the last day of the season, and you're jostling for position with the Hawks and Celtics and the Hornets. And right now, if the season ended today, and, and it might change tonight, um, the Heat would be the, the sixth seed, and, um, you know, they're only a half game up on, on the 7-8. So, uh, you know, they've got ground to make up on the Hawks, who now are a game and a half up on them. So, yeah, that, that I mean, that's clearly priority number one right now is, is stay out of that play-in game and and then basically figure it out from there and hope you get Oladipo back to, to really make give some teams some trouble once you get to the playoffs. Yeah, and you also, I mean – Yes, first priority is you want to avoid the playing game. You don't want to, you want any part of that. You want to have that week yeah. off to kind of prepare for the first round. You don't want to be subject to a single elimination type of situation. But also, you really want to avoid like just getting that four or five. Yeah, yes. Matchup just because you don't want to be facing Milwaukee in the first round. You know, that's. I mean, I, I know they can beat Milwaukee. They they showed it last year. Um, they match up fairly well, I guess. Even though Milwaukee seems better this season. Uh, with Drew Holiday. And the Heat um, seems worse. And the Heat doesn't seem as good, right? Um, but, yeah, you, you don't want to be facing Giannis in the first round. <laughs> That's not ideal. So, um, you know, that, I think that'll be a huge, you know, goal for the Heat over these this last month of the season is just find a way to that 4-5. Even if it's 5 and you don't have home court, whatever. If you have to face Atlanta in the first round, it's better than Milwaukee. Even though I do think Atlanta is legit. Like, I think they're a good Team. I've been in on Atlanta basically since they got Trey Young, and I, I feel very uh, vindicated right now. Yeah, they, they're really, really. I, I, I think the way they're playing right now, I, I'm pretty confident saying, you know, and watch out. This is going to be on cold takes in a month, but I'm pretty confident saying that I, I think they'll be in that four or five wow. of those positions. Wow, yeah, I really, I really do. Um, and then it just, I think it will come down to the Heat in Boston. Um, if Boston get th- their things together, or, or if the Heat can get healthy and get Get you know their stuff together, but I I don't think I think Charlotte just because of injuries um, might not be able to keep pace, and and then New York um, also I don't know if they'll be able to keep pace, but I think it'll be between Miami and Boston for that fifth or fourth spot. All right, uh, let's dive into what we've seen from this West Coast trip so far. Again, they play the Nuggets tonight, um, so. That's a that's a really interesting test. I, I guess is this Denver's first game since Jamal Murray got hurt too, probably. Yes. Yeah. So um, who knows what exactly they're going to look like? They're they're obviously figuring things out too, but really positive signs I think against Portland on Sunday. Portland been playing really well, um, and just you know a solid win for the Heat and you know their first game without Victor Oladipo, they looked pretty good. And then the Suns game last night was kind of, I think a lot of those concerns we voiced up at the top kind of came to a head there where it was like this team, the the offense is just not playing that well. They were really good in the first quarter and then really bad for the last three offensively. And when your offense isn't playing well, you got a really small margin for error on defense. Um, And obviously Victor Oladipo makes that margin a lot harder to play with. And... They lost to a really good team. I mean, the Suns are really good, um, but still, a 20-point loss uh, is, is a discouraging way to follow up, a, I think, a really encouraging win on Sunday. Um, 
let's let's start with the good. What what impressed you about that Portland win? Um, and yeah, I think there were even in a twenty point blowout, the fact that the offense looked pretty good for the first quarter, I think, has to be a little encouraging too. But mostly that Portland game. What what impressed you about that win? Just the defense. I mean, it was an elite defensive performance. I know Portland was playing on the second end of a back to back, but just a four seven. I think Portland is averaging the fewest amount of turnovers in the NBA, and they they forced them into 17 turnovers and scored 28 points on those turnovers. A lot of the mistakes were live ball ones, so the Heat were able to take advantage, which has been, like we just talked about uh, a few minutes ago, it's it's important to the Heat's formula just because their offense has not been efficient this season. So the defense, again, even without Victor, was dominant against a pretty good offense in Portland. I think Mm -hmm. Dame, um, Dame was you know, pretty ineffective for his standards. He, yeah. he finished with 12 points on 10 shots, and Jimmy did a really, really good job on CJ as well. I think CJ, CJ scored 17 points and 18 shots, so that's really all you can ask for um, in, in defending those two guys. So, uh, you know, the offense was good enough to win the game, but it was really um, the defense that that led the way. And even against Phoenix on Tuesday night, like, the defense didn't play bad. Um, Chris Paul and Devin Booker were limited, and they were pretty yeah. inefficient. Um, and that game was really Phoenix's bench that came through and dominated. Um, I think three or four of their bench players were plus 20 or better. And Chris Paul, and, I think Chris Paul was like plus three and Devin Booker was a zero, like basically just even. Um, so it's crazy that the Suns won by 20 with those two guys. It's not really having great games, but that's how good their bench was. But it was really the Heat's offense that was that lost in the game in Phoenix. And the defense was okay. It was good enough. Um, but the offense just was was awful in the first three in the final three quarters. Yeah. Um, they really could not get anything going against uh, Phoenix, which has a good defense. So you give them credit for that. I hate to just keep talking about missing open threes, but like they didn't miss a few. Yeah, yeah, but like that's the. I mean, it it remains the biggest difference between this team from a year ago and this team this year. I think, right? Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, they have, the, they have the third worst three-point percentage in the league this season. Yeah, and what, they, what did they have last year by the end of the year? Second best. Yeah, second or third best all year. So, I mean, it's a huge difference, and it's really hard to explain, like you said, just because, yeah, you know, teams are defending this offense differently this year. They know what to expect. They know. A, I mean, that's a huge drop. But that's a huge drop. And, and honestly, the guy they're really defending most differently is Duncan Robinson, and – you know, his percentage is, I don't know what it is now. Um, I think around 40 still, I think. Yeah, like it had dropped from, what was he, like 45, 44 last year. Kind of like bottomed out around 37, 38. 38, yeah. Which is like still really good. So that's a big percentage change. Um, yeah, right now he's at 40.8. Like the, pro, the they're not, it's not like they're defending like Tyler Hero a whole lot different. And um, Kelly Olenek, who's obviously not on the team anymore, but was not shooting well at all when he got here. It's. Just kind Goran of that. Too. Goran hasn't been able to shoot as well as last season. Either. Yeah, and he's obviously missed a lot of time too, so that is hurt. But it's kind of that like sheer randomness. But like you expect the randomness to eventually work out by the end of the year, even in a slightly shorter than usual seventy-two game season. And uh, it's not normalizing. And like we said, they're they're running out of time for it to normalize. Yeah. No. I mean, there's. I, I feel like we've been waiting for this offense to get on track all season, and. Yeah, like you said, there's, I think, 18 or 16 games left in the year, a month left, um, and they have the sixth worst offense in the league, um, which, again, entering the season, if you would have told me they would have had the sixth worst offense and the sixth best defense, I would have said you were nuts. 
Yeah, like, like, that well, was not well, what, what kind expected. of trade did they make? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, well, did they trade half their roster? Which I guess they trade a few guys, but not really huge contributors other than Kelly. Did, did Anthony uh, Davis demand a trade or something? Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it's just, it, it really is hard to explain. I mean, the only way to explain it is that this year is just, the numbers are correcting themselves from last season where they shot like an all-time best, you know, and Duncan was shooting 44% on like eight attempts, which very few players have done in league history and the team shot, yeah. you know, again, second best, uh, second best percentage in the league and with a lot of guys getting career best numbers. Uh, maybe this is just everything correcting itself. Um, but it is really hard to explain because, yeah, teams are defending them differently, but like you said, there's a lot of missed open shots as well. And I could count at least four or five in Phoenix that were wide open, whether it was Ariza, Duncan, Tyler, um, that the shots just didn't go in. And, uh, you know, it's hard to really explain that when they're wide open. So um, that has been the biggest difference um, from last year. And it makes you wonder, like, where would this team be if it had an average defense like last year? Yeah. They, they would probably not even make the playoffs. So. Good thing for them that they found a way to have a, a top six defense because they've needed it. Yeah, I do think it, it it's going to get forgotten in the grand scheme of this season, I think. Maybe not like when you do a retrospective on the year, but like by the end of the year when you're kind of looking at the numbers and being like, what happened? Um, I think it's almost going to get forget forgotten in some ways that, you know, they basically had a 12-game stretch, 10-game stretch. What was it that Jimmy missed where like you – basically just need to throw that out because that, I mean, he drives the entire offense, even though he's not making threes. Like it's a lot different when like Tyler hero and Duncan are like literally the centerpieces of the offense next to Bam rather than, you know, Jimmy and and those guys are are true complimentary players. Um, So that I think affects some of the numbers, but as you said, like even since Jimmy's gotten back, it's not like those numbers have not, ticked back up significantly. I think at one point they maybe had the worst three-point percentage in the league, so it is climbing a little bit, but, you know, it is not you, – you would have expected them by this point, given that Jimmy has played um, uh, basically like three-quarters of the game, two-thirds, three-quarters of the game at this point, that, like, they would be at least kind of in that middle 10, basically, like 10 through 20, and the fact that they're still not there is like that's, – that's in some ways just the whole story of this season. And obviously, there, like you said, there are reasons for it, but that number, I think, sums up still sums up everything with with what is happening this year with this this frustrating season Miami is having. It's also kind of crazy we're talking like this when they've won six out of eight and had won uh, six out of seven after that Portland game. Like it, it could be a lot worse uh, for this team um, than it, you know, and it has been worse at stretches this year. Teams, teams are going to lose, you know, in the, in the NBA today, there are more blowouts than ever. So maybe, maybe we're kind of overreacting that, that Phoenix game happened last night. But, um, you know, they're, they're still in the big picture trending in the right direction down the stretch. But, um, as we mentioned, like things flip quickly and one more flip back in a bad direction could like really submarine the chances, team's chances to be in that four or five matchup. Yeah. And also the distinct of Victor Oladipo. Well, injury yeah, yeah. just kind Obviously of dampens the mood. Yeah, just because, yeah. Uh, you know, there was excitement and about the upside of this team, and that's obviously lessened now, just with the uncertainty regarding his health and his availability. Um, but but the Heat have been, like you mentioned, you know, that the Heat were, are 4-11 and without Jimmy this season, um, so they've obviously really struggled without him. 
But when he's playing, like they're one of the best teams in the East statistically. Yeah. They're twenty four and fifteen when he's out there. So I think as long as Jimmy's healthy, you know, while there won't probably won't be a favorite against Milwaukee or definitely won't be a favorite against Milwaukee or Philly or Brooklyn in a playoff series, like they're going to be competitive at least. They're not going to get swept. Like with Jimmy, this team, Jimmy and Bam, this team is good when they're healthy. Um, yeah. It's just that, you know, they, they just haven't been as good and they haven't found that offensive rhythm that they had last year and they haven't been able to replicate that formula so far. And, and time is really running out, um, whether it's because of all the moving parts and all the injuries and all the ins and outs because of protocols or just guys, you know, regressing to the mean with their shooting numbers, I don't know, but the offense just hasn't been what it was last season, and you know that's that was a big part of why they made the run to the finals. Without that, you know, I, I don't know how much playoff success they'll have. So I think that'll be along with trying to avoid that play that play-in game and, and trying to make the playoffs in that four-five matchup. I think trying to find a way to get the offense at least trending in a more positive direction is going to be really key uh, for this team. Yeah, I do think the one thing that also is going to get exposed here a little bit is um, I know we talked about the fact that the Heat didn't have to give up that much for Victor Oladipo, but when you talk about the Heat being one of the best teams in the East when Jimmy's out there, Kelly Olenek was a big part of that. Not that he's like a star by any stretch, but he was a starter and probably a top five, top four, top three guy at certain points this season for this team. Um, And... You know, it's kind of the same thing like when you know, I I always think of the the Warriors when they lost with Kevin Durant out. It's not just that you're missing Kevin Durant. It's that he, you know, his con- you're missing all that money, basically, that will be allocated to players. It's not just that you're missing Victor Oladipo in this situation. Um, it's that you're missing everything you gave up to get Victor Oladipo. And, um, you know, this team, there, there's going to be like, I think the depth is going to be exposed a little bit. And, you know, they've obviously made more addition, even throwing out, let's say Victor is out. They've made more additions than they've lost by bringing in Ariza. Um, and, you know, Deadman, I think, is a piece, right? Like, he'll, he'll play some minutes. Um, but, you know, you're losing a lot by not having Kelly Olenek out there. And, and you know, maybe maybe ultimately you swap Kelly for Ariza and it's a net upgrade by the end of the year when we see what, Ariza looks like when he's been like fully worked into shape, but you know, you obviously you make that trade ten times out of ten, but you're gonna miss Kelly Olynyk uh, if if Victor Oladipo can't play for the rest of the year. He's just another guy who's a good offensive player, can replicate some of the dribble handoff offensive stuff that Bam does, and obviously, you know, I I know he was only shooting like thirty percent from three when he got dealt, but he's a you know historically a guy who is a an elite three-point shooter at his position and with the offensive issues like that's a guy you're going to miss um when you get down toward the end of the year if, if Victor Oladipo doesn't come back and is it crippling like is it is it make the difference between making the finals and not making the finals no but it could make the difference between finishing fifth and finishing sixth um or you know finishing sixth and finishing seventh when you look at some of these teams they're competing against. Yeah, and, and Kelly's balling in Houston. He's averaging 17 points a game on 59% shooting yeah, and 37% on three. But still, yeah. 
Like, he's playing well. He's shooting well. He wasn't shooting. He was he was shooting thirty one percent with the Heat. Now he's shooting thirty seven percent. Yeah, he's getting. I guess he's getting more looks and, and more playing time. But still, he's he's playing well. But yeah, I I, I think where the Heat feel that is, you know, I I think that he would have rather. And Spolscher always wanted to start a small ball four. He wanted to go back to that style. Mm-hmm. I think that was obvious. So Trevor Ariza fills that. But that backup center spot is a huge question mark. I mean. Some games it's Precious, some games some games it's Nemanja. Um, they both give you different things. And other games where, you know, maybe Precious is the first one off the bench, but then he's not playing well and Spolscher adjusts, and then Nemanja plays in the second half instead of Precious. That's happened a few times, and, and vice versa, where Nemanja starts and then Precious ends up, you know, playing those minutes in the second half. Like, that, the power rotation's uh, an obvious work in progress right now yeah. because – they just do not have a true backup center. You know, Precious has kind of hit a little bit of a rookie wall. Like, he's had a, a little rough patch here um, where he's been a little inconsistent. And, and really, he hasn't been he, – he was good early on in the season, but it, it, I don't know if teams adjusted or if it's just, like I said, a rookie wall and just the fatigue of, of and the grind of this unique year. He just hasn't been as effective as he was earlier. Um, and then Amania – while he gives you a, a stretch option and kind of a Kelly Olynyk type offensive option where a big who can shoot threes and, and make passes and can also make plays off the dribble. Um, defensively, I don't know if he's as good as Kelly. Um, you know, he, he's still trying to learn the Heat system. So the Heat don't have a true backup center right now. Yeah. And I think without, you know, with Kelly would have provided that. But again, yeah. you can't add Victor if you don't trade Kelly. So um, Right, it was exactly the risk they yeah. took. And they right. deep that, that that giving up Kelly Olynyk was a more than worthwhile risk. And like I said, they make that t- trade ten times out of ten. Even if you tell yeah. them like that Victor Oladipo is going to have an injury scare in his third game or whatever it was, it's probably still a risk you take because you know if he comes back, it'll still you know you missed a couple games of Victor Oladipo or whatever you missed the regular season of Victor Oladipo. Um, but when you're playing with a, a really slim margin again, like. You give up Kelly Olynyk because he's not the difference between you winning a championship or not or making it back to the finals or not, but he's the difference between, I don't know, one win the rest of the way, like putting it in baseball terms. I don't know what Kelly Olynyk's war would be, but he swings a game or two down the stretch here. Just yeah. gets really hot one game or, like you said, the bench was terrible last night. Like maybe, you know, they probably don't win that game even if he's out there, but it's probably a, a lot closer than a 20-point blowout. Um, so yeah, he he's, he swings a little bit down the stretch here, and and if Victor Oladipo uh, doesn't come back, the, the depth is going to be exposed. But as I've talked about a lot on this podcast, depth feels like it swings pretty quickly. You know, you think yeah. the, like all of a sudden Nemanja Bjelica gets hot, um, and you don't miss Kelly Olynyk nearly as much. But but right now, um, when you don't have Victor, when you are still working in those new guys, you miss Kelly Olynyk a lot. Yeah, and and all you really need is now that Trevor's on the roster, um, you know Trevor and 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 Andre are going to play most of those four minutes, or probably all of them actually, um, especially in the playoffs. You just need a Precious or Nemanja or I yeah. guess Dwayne Dedman to at least play those eleven, twelve minutes that Bam is on the bench per game. It's not yeah. much. You know Bam's going to play over thirty minutes in the playoffs. He's probably going to play close to forty minutes. You just need them to just hold the fort down for those 10, 12 minutes um, a night. You know, you're not going to need to ask Precious by 25 minutes or 20 minutes even. It's just 10 minutes. And I think that's why also he probably felt a little comfortable trading Kelly because they knew, like, 
just like in last season's playoffs, your role is going to be limited. You know, Kelly yeah. Kelly was starting out of necessity this season, but now that they have Trevor and they can play that style, which is what you know Eric wanted. Um, Kelly's Kelly's role was going to be limited, and his minutes were going to be limited. So, um, they I think I think they have like the personnel to get by, um, mm-hmm. but it, but the fact remains it is a question mark because there isn't that solidified you know proven backup center right now on the roster. All right, should we uh, should we wrap things up there? I think that that about covers yeah. it. Yeah, we got obviously a lot to wait and see with uh, Victor Oladipo that will. Yeah, by this time next week when we record, we might have a whole lot better idea of what this team is going to look like down the stretch. But uh, that all remains to be seen. Yeah, and the, and the Heat, you know, on Monday is the first day they could sign a 15th player oh, right. to a standard contract um, while while still remaining under the tax. So there could even be a new player on the roster by the next That's time true. we talk. Yeah, um, we were looking we were looking through the list earlier, and um, Austin Rivers is out there. That's that's probably the prize of this last little window here. Isaiah Thomas too. Isaiah Thomas, um, uh, Lee Angelo Ball. Uh, I had I had a fun time just skimming through this list earlier. Uh, technically, Vince Carter is on this list. I'm looking at a real GM. I think he's retired though. But Dwayne Wade is on the list. Is Dwayne Wade on the list? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I mean, if Vince Carter's on it, why not? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> some some great the, some new legends on, on here. Yeah, DM waiters. Um, so there's there's some interesting names. It'll be interesting to see which direction they go if they go um, try to get a, a young young guy like you said you you said you mentioned this is basically what they did with Kendrick Nunn a couple years ago is they picked him up and stashed him and it gave him you know he was basically on the roster going into the off season um, or if they you know take a, a swing at maybe a shooter another shooter or just take a swing at some veteran guy who. Has a track record of helping teams, but maybe uh, is past his prime. Or if they can get Austin Rivers, who again is going to be the prize of this little window, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few options out there. Obviously, there's no uh, huge difference maker that's going to swing the the Heat's you know standing in the East or in the league. But um, I, I would be surprised if they don't add somebody before the end of the season, like you said, whether it's a young guy that they just stash and sign to a you know non guaranteed deal to have him in the system. Um, and to have them, you know, a full off season with them, or if it's a veteran that they think can provide some depth and help in certain situations, I, I think the Heat will. The Heat usually maximize whatever they're able to do, and they have they have the room under the tax starting Monday to sign, you know, one more player, um, especially with you know the uncertainty regarding Victor. Depending on you know what what we learn in the next few days, um, they they probably will make some type of addition. Yeah. And take advantage of that just to just for just for some depth uh, moving forward. You know who's on this list? Nene. And you know what he's listed as on this? Which I, I never knew this was his name. Maybiner Nene, because apparently his real name is Maybiner Hilario. I always thought his because he always is like Nene Hilario. I had no idea his real first name was Maybiner. I was very confused by who this person was on the list. But uh, <laughs> love Nene. I I, I, I is he retired though? I love no? today. Uh, he's he thirty eight. Re- Apparently, okay. I mean, he's on this list. I don't, again, Vince Carter's on this list, so I don't know what gets you on this list. I don't know why Michael Jordan's not on this list, but um, he's on the list. He uh, there was that uh time he headbutted Jimmy Butler, so I don't know. If yeah. That oh, that's true. I forgot. That was, <laughs> that was great. Could, a great, fun, great, that great first round series. He yeah. got. A, I remember he got. Uh, he got ejected. 
we've hit our uh, daily wizards allotment here in the in the last couple of minutes. Um, but he uh, he got ejected from that game. It was a first round series. Got suspended, and then the next game, uh, Ted Leonsis, the Wizards owner, showed up sitting courtside with in a uh, Nene jersey. It was great. That's awesome. And I forgot he was with the Wizards when that happened. That's yeah. true. I just remember that he headbutted Jimmy, and I don't think that would fly here. If they had him. <laughs> he also probably, like you said, wouldn't fit. But yeah. that's a fun name. There, I, yeah. I point is, I think they will add somebody. You know, in the next month before the end of the season, but. Um, they're they're able to do that starting Monday and still stay under the tax, which is obviously a priority after finishing in the tax last season. All right. Uh, I think we can wrap things up there. Um, You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, Got anything you're working on right now or just uh, waiting on this uh, Victor Oladipo situation to sort itself out? Well, yes, the Victor Oladipo number one. But um, also I have a story that will be posted Thursdays, so the day this podcast drops on Duncan Robinson and just his evolution um, and his improved confidence to kind of work through the slump, the mini quote-unquote slump he was in this season um, that um, I, I talked to some people for. So stay tuned for that one. Yeah, I think it's, it's a good storyline to hit here because in a lot of ways I kind of feel like he is the maybe the uh, maybe Tyler Hero is the biggest X factor for this team down the stretch, but Duncan is that those are the two guys who to me can just take this offense from being bad, yeah. like you said, to, to being at least like middle of the pack and, and able to win with their defense. Those guys both need to get going. And Duncan, obviously, starting to come along a little bit. So I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about how his, his year is going to finish. Yeah, if he could if he can make threes at 42, 43% yeah, they're, they're, rate again, uh, like there'll be a middle of the pack offense. Just it's yep. that simple. So he is, he is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, Mostly still on Panthers these days. The trade deadline is passed. Uh, I did a, a feature on uh, their new general manager, Bill Zito, who is kind of taking this team from being the perennial underachiever that everyone knows and loves the Florida Panthers as to, um, you know, if not a Stanley Cup contender this year, at least a team that, that is like a move or two away when you look into the next couple of years. So he'll be, a, he'll be a candidate for the NHL's GM of the year. So I Talk to him and some some people around him. So if you want to check that out, uh, that is over at MiamiHerald.com. Um, we didn't have time, Anthony. You wanted to debut the Panthers minute this week, but uh, well, I was about to I was about to introduce it for you. I was about to okay. just say like you want to you can squeeze it in. Yeah, one I'm minute. Set a timer. Come on. Sixty right. seconds to talk Panthers. That, yeah, I think that's okay. fine. I think that's Let enough. Let me set a timer. All right. You got you ready? Yeah, let's go. That save. By Chris Dreger. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, one of the saves of the year, definitely. Um, and that's, you know, I wrote about it today. You can check it out in the Miami Herald uh, in Thursday's paper or online. Um, they, like, he was in trade rumors because, you know, he's obviously behind Bobrovsky. They got Spencer Knight, who's this big prospect coming up. But, um, you know, it doesn't seem like they're really ever kind of close to moving him, but obviously he was in rumors. He made sense as a guy to move. Um, but he's been awesome this year, second best save percentage in the league. Um, They've got this two-goalie system, which helps a lot considering how condensed the schedule is. So they hung on to him. He made maybe the save of the year uh, against Dallas to save that game and uh, get it to overtime, snap a three-game losing streak. Now they got two games coming up against the Lightning. Um, you saw the play. You saw the save. It was enough to excite uh, even a casual Panthers fan. It sounds I like. saw it. I saw it because he tweeted it. Okay. Yeah, so it was good. But, so, but, I, but it was very, very good. 
Yeah, so he'll split time with Bob, and he might be the guy come playoff time, and we are at a minute. Um, Thanks, as always, for listening. (laughs) Uh, We will talk to you guys next week.